0: Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler, and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now, join us as we get to the point. You've got your Bibles. I hope that you do. Would you open them up to Galatians chapter 3? Galatians chapter 3. Today we're going to take a short break from our series in the book of Joshua because all weekend our kids, our our youth, our our 6th grade through 12th have been gathered together for D-Now. Disciple Now, that's what the D and D-Now stands for. If you didn't know, Disciple Now is an intentional weekend of worship and discipleship that we've put together to help our teenagers to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. So our our teenagers have been together all weekend long. If Nathan looks a little bit tired, it's because he has been going nonstop since Friday. And and I think he's maybe gotten about three hours of sleep this weekend. Uh, But it's been all weekend over at the Perdido campus, discipling our kids, training up our kids. And the theme of D-Now this weekend has been make it matter, make it matter. And, And I think that that is something that all of us can identify with. Because if we're being honest we can confess that each of us have this gut level desire to matter. We want what we do at our core. We want what we do to be important. We want it to make a difference. And I think all of us can, can feel that way about life. And, and I think also that God has put that into us on purpose. God has given us a desire to matter, a desire to make a difference, a desire to do things of importance, and he's given us that desire in order to propel us forward to be the disciples that he's called us to be. So this weekend, our youth have been talking about living with purpose, about avoiding the trap of comparison. You know what I'm talking about there, right? Like that is a a trap that we can all fall in. They've talked about knowing that Jesus is the Lord of their life and living like he is the Lord of your life. This weekend has been a weekend to encourage the next generation of Jesus followers to be the disciples that they've been called to be, disciples who make it matter, disciples who make a difference. And so as we round out the weekend of discipleship with our youth, I'd like us to look forward and consider how do we, how do we keep what we've begun this weekend going? How do we keep it going as disciples of Jesus Christ? Because if I can be honest, here's here's what my experience has been. Growing up in the church, I've I've gone to events like D now in the past. and, And I can tell you what would happen for me is I would go and it would be awesome. Like I would walk out of there encouraged. My faith would begin to blossom and grow. I was ready and excited to move forward as a disciple of Jesus. But over time, over time, that began to fade. Over time, that began to wane a little bit. And over the course of a few months, that passion, that, that drive, that desire that I had to live a life of significance began to fizzle out a little bit. And that's a problem. Because if we want to live lives that make an impact for Jesus, then we have got to find a way to keep that from happening. So that's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes together. And to do that, we're going to look to a group of Christians where things went a little bit sideways for them. We're going to look to a group of early Christians in the early church. We're going to look to the church at Galatia. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter that we call the book of Galatians to the churches in Galatia in about 48 AD, so not long after Jesus' resurrection. And, And as we read this letter from the very beginning, you can tell that things are not quite as they should be. Now, Acts chapters 13 and 14 tell us how Paul and Barnabas had gone to the region of Galatia and they had shared the gospel with the the people that they had encountered there. They started in the synagogue sharing the gospel with Jews, but as some Jews began to, to be opposed to the gospel message, they turned and went to the Gentiles. And because of that, most of the Christians in the region of Galatia are Gentile believers but sometime after Paul and Barnabas left, a group of Jewish Christians known in the Bible as Judaizers, because they were trying to make people live like Jews, they, they came in and they started teaching a different gospel. They taught that, that, yes, Jesus was the Messiah. Yes, he did bring salvation, but salvation also required observance of the Mosaic law. It was a Jesus plus gospel. You know what I mean by that? Like like Jesus plus ritual observances. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus the Mosaic law. And this teaching created division in the church. It caused some Jewish Christians to slip back into old legalistic ways of living. It, It even caused some of the Jewish Christians to withdraw from spending time in fellowship with their Gentile fellow believers. And so in this letter, Paul is passionately correcting this false teaching and working to show that salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ alone, not by works. That's what's happening as we come into Galatians chapter 3. So let's just dive right in. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 14 verses together today. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Elsewhere in the Bible, we read that the grass withers, that the flower falls, and that the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as we dive into this text today, and we consider how do we keep this desire to be disciples who make a difference going, I ask that you would speak to each of us. I ask that you would get me out of the way and that we would hear from you today how we can continue forward, passionately following you, making much of your name, growing in our faith and serving you in all that we do. God, I ask that you would work in our hearts, that we would be encouraged and empowered to do that which only you can do, that we would live out the mission you've given us to to live out. God, we know that you can do that today. And so we're going to ask and expect that you will be at work. We also ask that if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day where they would repent of their sin and they would choose to come follow you as Lord of their life. God, do what only you can do today. We know that you can do it. We are faithfully looking to see you at work in us. We love you, Lord. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. In my last job in the Navy before I retired, I served as uh, an instructor at the Naval School of Aviation Safety over at NAS Pensacola. And and our mission over at the School of Aviation Safety was to train aircrews so that they would be ready to lead aviation safety programs out in their squadrons in the fleet. Our courses were, were very rigorous, and they covered just about every aspect of aviation safety. So we taught aerodynamics, aircraft structures, human factors, human physiology, mishap investigation. A mishap, by the way, is like when something goes wrong, like so plane crash, how to investigate that. Mishap investigations, um, crew resource management, project man- management, and more. Our courses were very comprehensive. They were academically rigorous. They actually counted for college credit for graduate degree work. It was about half of a master's degree to go through our course, um, and and you could transfer those into a a program. Um, But in addition to all of the formal instruction, we also worked to uh, make them practical. We worked to instill best practices that our students could take with them out to the fleet. Now, a best practice is just what it sounds like. It's a practice that you can take and and institute in an organization that will improve the safety or the culture of safety in that organization. And one of the best practices that we worked to teach every single course was something we call true confessions. When, When you have a mishap, When you have a near mess, when when something doesn't go the way maybe you planned it to go from a safety perspective, a true confession is a way to get up in front of the other air crew and talk about that, to share the knowledge of what you have learned about what had happened. And so we do these true confessions in the fleet. Um, and, And as you do it, you do it regardless of your rank or experience. So as an example, on my last deployment, which was the tour before the one I was just talking about, a couple of my fellow department heads who are fairly senior officers in the squadron went out flying from the ship, and while they were out flying, they went to do some in-flight refueling. Can you throw that picture up on the screen back there? And they were refueling off another F-18. I've thrown this picture up here so you can kind of understand what happened. Bacon was the pilot, Droid was the Wizzo in the back seat, and as Bacon was coming to plug into the basket, which is that kind of bottom right corner, you can see three quarters of the basket there, as he was coming to engage the basket with the refueling probe, he came in with a little bit too much closure. He was coming in too fast. And when he struck the, the refueling basket, what happened is he pushed it forward and he created a sine wave in that refueling hose that went all the way up to the tanker aircraft, then echoed back down and came back down to his jet. When that sine wave got down, it snapped the refueling hose right at the basket off, leaving that refueling basket stuck on his refueling probe on his jet. And then there was a large grounding wire that wraps around that fueling hose that came with the basket and was whipping back and snapping against the canopy as they're flying at about 300 knots. Needless to say, that was a very dangerous situation. Like it could break the canopy. If that probe came off, it would go down the intake and fought out the engine and they'd lose an engine. It was a dangerous situation that we're in. Now, thankfully, they came back to the boat. They landed on the boat without incident. Nothing more happened. The following week at our next all officers meeting, Bacon and Droid got up in front of the entire ready room and they had their true confession. They talked about what happened. They talked about what went wrong. They talked about what went right. They talked about what they could have done better and and then how it all ended. And the purpose of all of that was to help all the aviators in the room learn from their mistakes, learn and grow. It it wasn't a punishment. They weren't in trouble because this had happened. It was just trying to share knowledge from their own mistakes. And as Christians, we can do the same thing. We can learn from the mistakes of others. And, and as we look to the book of Galatians, what we're seeing here is a group of Christians who've made some pretty big discipleship mistakes. They've gotten it wrong, and Paul is going to be correcting them. And what I want us today to do is to learn from their mistakes. You see, Paul is correcting the church in Galatia, and, and there really is something here for us. I believe there's something that will help us to learn and grow. You see, the Galatian church, they had been doing well. Now, if you know your Bibles, you know that the, the letter to the Galatians is, is a pretty hot letter, right? Like Paul, is he's got his, his temper up a little bit. He's angry. And so sometimes we give the Galatian church some, some kind of negative publicity, but the truth is they had been doing well. They had been growing as followers of Jesus. But then when these Jewish Christians, these Judaizers came, they began to slip back into some of their old ways. And that can happen to us as well. We don't like to talk about it, but it can. Our our faith can begin to grow. We can begin maturing as disciples. We can have a weekend like some of our youth had this weekend where, where they're leaving and they're a little bit more excited about following Jesus. They've got a little bit more passion to be on mission for Jesus. We can have an experience like that. And if we're not careful, we can let our guard down. And it can be really easy to slip back into old habits and old patterns. So as we look at this text, the first thing I want you to notice is that as disciples of Jesus, our faith continues from where it began. You continue from where you began. As a disciple of Jesus, you continue from where you began. Take a look. Beginning at verse 1, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Now, in these five verses right here, Paul asks five rhetorical questions that are peppered with this blunt and forceful language. And all of this is meant to grab our attention and press us to see that faith or our journey as disciples of Jesus, that, that it continues from where it began. Each of these questions is pressing the Galatians to consider how they started in Christ but they come in such a rapid fire way that that maybe we miss that. So so let's look at them again and and break them down a bit. Paul asks, who has bewitched you? he's, He's like, he's saying, who's put you under a spell? Why are you thinking this way? After all, when you started, you became a Christian. You became a disciple of Jesus because you heard the gospel message and you placed your faith in Jesus. That's how it started. Who's tricked you? That's how he starts. And then he asks, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's asking them to consider, what was your experience? Did, Did you get filled with the Holy Spirit because you were just checking off the list? You were following all the rules. You had every one of those Mosaic laws down, and so the Spirit came and filled you? Or was it because you heard the gospel message and you had faith? What was your experience? He asks, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? I love that question because it's, it's like he's asking, if the Holy Spirit began this work in you, do you need to now kind of step in and help the Holy Spirit along? Like, is what you're doing going to make you perfect because the Holy Spirit just can't quite get you there? He asks, did you suffer so many things in vain? Was all the persecution, all the trials you went through, was that in vain? Was that pointless? And then finally, he sums it all up and he asks, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Does God do all this because you check off that list, because you're good enough or because you placed your faith in Jesus? Which one is it? You see, every one of these questions is pressing the Galatians to look back at how they started in their journey as followers of Jesus, to look back and see how they began as disciples and remember that they need to continue from where they began. But before we're too quick to judge these Galatian Christians, because it's so easy to do that, right? It's easy to look and say, yeah, what's wrong with you? Before we do that, though, I want you to remember that we are so willing to do the same thing ourselves. We will do it ourselves all the time. We start off with faith, and that faith gives us this fire. It gives us this passion to serve the Lord. And we'll be excited about it. Like, like we'll have a desire to break out our Bible and read it. We'll have a hunger to spend time in prayer. We'll look forward to gathering with other Christians in the church on Sunday or in a connect group or a discipleship group or what have you. But we'll look forward to gathering together with other Christians. We'll be growing as disciples of Christ. But if we're not careful, somewhere along the way, we'll begin to let our guard down. And we start to think that it's the things that we're doing, all of those things, that Bible study, that time in prayer, that gathering with other Christians, that service in the church or the community, we'll begin to think that those things are what make us holy. It's those things that make us righteous before God. We'll begin to think that Bible study and prayer and gathering together. We'll think that that is what is earning our righteousness. And so we begin to work harder to be more righteous. We begin to put in more effort using our own strength to do it. But that's not how we began. We didn't begin with our effort. That's what Paul's point is. You didn't begin by following the law. You began with faith. We start with faith, faith in Christ. And then the problem that we encounter with all that stuff that we're doing when we're doing it by our own strength is that it gets hard. It wears, like, it's hard to fake being a Christian. I just, I don't get why anybody would ever want to do it. It's not going to make you cool. It's hard to fake it. It wears us out. And if we're going about it by our own strength, if we're trying to do it because we think that that is what's making us holy, that is what's making us righteous, it's not going to produce any kind of spiritual fruit in our lives. All it's doing is draining us of our energy and our joy. It's just going to make us miserable. So if we're going to continue this journey of being a disciple, if we're going to keep this faith going along, then we have got to begin where or continue where we began. We've got to stick with faith because discipleship begins with Christ. It begins with faith in Christ and it does not progress beyond Christ or without Christ. We have got to have Christ at the center of all of it, faith in Christ. That's Paul's point. And as we keep going into verse 7, he's going to get more into this. Take a look. Starting at verse 7, he says, Know then, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith." Paul's whole argument right here is that faith is the central element of salvation for Christians. That faith is the central element in being a disciple of Jesus. These Jewish Christians who had come into the church at Galatia were telling the Galatians that they had to follow the Mosaic law in order to be part of God's family. In order to be the sons of Abraham, they had to observe the law. In other words, what what they were saying is that in order to be saved, you had to add on to what Jesus had done. And it was all about rules that they needed to follow. It was all about things that you could do and you couldn't do, which is a temptation we're, we're often lured with in the American church. You know, a good Christian does these things and doesn't do these things. Good Christian never goes to a rated R movie unless it's about Jesus. A a good Christian never swears except for those made-up swear words that we make up. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are tempted to fall into that trap of, of doing good things and being a good person. But that's not faith. Paul is pressing the church in Galatia to see the need to prioritize, not the outward stuff, not what you do, but to prioritize faith. He's pressing them to see that. It's faith that makes you part of the family of God. And Paul points back to scripture to show us that. He points back all the way to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, to show that God's promise to Abraham was a gospel promise. That in Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. These teachers who had come in to the Galatian church were prioritizing the law. They were prioritizing our works. They were prioritizing what we do. But for the Christian, we have to prioritize faith. That's what we're seeing right here. Now, what does it mean to prioritize something? It means to make it a priority. Just what the word means, right? Define the word with the word. It means to make it important in our lives. It means that we follow the commands that we saw Paul giving Timothy in our study in 1 Timothy not long ago. That it, you remember this? We'll throw it up on the screens. It means that we train ourselves for godliness. Paul says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise in the present life and also for the life to come. Now, how do we do that? What what does that look like when we're prioritizing our faith, when we're training ourselves for godliness? How do we do that? We do that by practicing spiritual disciplines. Things like Bible study, prayer, fasting, fellowship, worship, serving one another, serving in the community. We do it by living out our faith. It looks like, what does it look like? It looks like, all the things that I just said a minute ago are not the things that we want to be the central part of our lives. Not the things that we think are gonna somehow make us holy. And this is where we run into one of the paradoxes of what it means to be a Christian. Because all of these things that I've said we should and shouldn't do simultaneously, all of these things that we're talking about, they're good things. They're good things. There are things that will help us to be effective disciples. There are things that will help us to be disciples who live on mission for Jesus. They will help us to grow in our faith. They will help us to mature in Christ, but they can never be the end in themselves. Like, we are always going to have them as the overflow of our faith, or we're going to do them in service of our faith, but they're not the goal. You follow what I'm saying? So, so we're going to read our Bibles, we're going to study our Bibles, but we don't do it to earn righteousness. We do it because it's going to help us to know, love, and follow Jesus. It's going to help our faith to grow. That's why we study our Bibles. We don't do it to somehow become more holy in God's sight. And, and we're going to serve in the church, but we don't serve in order to gain good standing with God. We serve out of our love for God, out of our love for people, and that comes from our growing faith. And we gather together in worship services like this one, in connect groups in our homes, on, in Bible studies on Wednesdays. We gather together with other Christians, not because we somehow think that it's going to make us look like good Christians on the outside. We do it so that we can encourage and admonish one another to love and good works so that we can spur one another on, so that our faith will grow. You see what I'm saying here? They are not the ends in themselves. They just press us to grow as disciples of Jesus. They press us to see our faith grow as we follow Christ. All these things are not the end in themselves. They are the works that we do as an overflow of our faith. They don't make us holy. So if we want to have a vibrant, robust, active faith, if we want to keep that faith going, if we want to make an impact for Jesus, then we have to prioritize faith. That's what we're seeing right here in the text. And as we prioritize faith, we also need to remember every single day, we've got to remember God's strength, not ours. That's what we're seeing right here. As we continue reading, we're going to do these things with God's strength, not our own. As Paul continues beginning at verse 10, we're going to see this reminder, and and it comes across as a warning and an encouragement. Take a look. In verse 10, he says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, this is the warning. And this is a warning that ought to grab our attention because. What this is saying is that if you are trusting in your works, if you're trusting in your ability to just follow all the rules, to to check off the list, to do everything that you've been commanded to do, to always get it right, if you're hoping that the things that you do will bring you your righteousness, then you are doomed, you're cursed. Because the simple reality is you can't do them all. You can't keep all the rules all the time, your entire life. You are not strong enough because if you break even one of these rules, you've broken them all. That's what the scriptures say. When Paul says, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. When he says that, he's pointing back to scripture. That's Deuteronomy twenty-seven twenty-six. And he's telling us that with the law, it's an all or nothing calculation. You have to follow the entire law for your entire life. And if you miss it one time, you failed. It only takes one failure. It takes one moment of weakness. It takes one sin and it's game over. You are not strong enough on your own. I've used this example before, but I think this is helpful. There are 613 commandments in the Mosaic law, 613. And I don't think we can keep track of 613 commandments, so let's just narrow it down to the 10 we're most familiar with, the 10 commandments. Now, this is a safe place. Nobody's going to be sitting in here judging you, but let's just group participation for a moment. Let's, let's participate together. Has anybody in the room murdered someone? Raise your hand. Look around. No hands. We don't have a murderer in the room. Yay. Okay, that that one's easy. So let's go to the end of the list. Has anybody in the room ever wanted something that belonged to someone else, not to you, and you've wanted it for yourself? Raise your hand. Look at the room. Look around the room. We've broken the law. We are under a curse. You can put your hands down. And if you didn't raise your hand, that means you're a liar. You've broken rule number nine. You're under the curse as well. We are not strong enough on our own. We can't keep the whole law on our own. We can't do it. And if you're relying on keeping all of the rules, if you're relying on your works to make you holy, to make you righteous, you are doomed to failure. That's what we're seeing right here. If we think that with our own strength, we're going to be able to continue on following Jesus as a disciple and just keep going with our own strength, we're never going to make it. We will fail. We're not strong enough on our own. That's the warning that we're getting right here in Galatians chapter 3. But I told you it's a warning and an encouragement, right? So let's keep going. Because as we move into verse 11, we're going to see Paul's encouragement. Take a look. Beginning at verse 11, he says, Now... It is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Nobody is made righteous by the law before God. For the righteous shall live by what? By faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. In these verses, Paul keeps turning back to Scripture. Scripture. And he's doing that in order to encourage us to trust Jesus, to have faith in Jesus, to find our strength as a disciple in Jesus. Paul is using the scriptures. In this case, if you're taking notes, he's using Habakkuk 2.4 and he's using Leviticus 15.5 in order to show us that the law doesn't make you holy. Doing it by your own strength doesn't make you holy. It's not going to work. Rule keeping, he's he's telling us basically, rule keeping just results in more rule keeping. Have you ever noticed how the rules always seem to increase? I I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrased verse 12 because I think it it helps us to understand what Paul's getting at here. Can we throw that up on the screens there? Eugene Peterson paraphrased verse 12 this way. He said, rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping, a fact observed in scripture. See, what this all comes down to is trust. If we try to live by keeping the rules, we're just gonna end up adding more and more rules. But this is about trust because that's what faith is. When we place our faith in Christ. We're placing our trust in Christ. And Paul is pointing out that we either do one of two things. We either place our faith in Christ, our trust in Christ, or we place our faith, our trust in ourselves. Because that's what it is to try and earn your righteousness. It's saying, I trust you, God. Maybe I trust you 90%. But this 10% over here, I'm just, I'm just going to help you along with that. When we're trying to earn our righteousness, that's what we're saying. We're saying, yeah, Jesus, you, you did some of it, but but I've got to help you out a little bit. As if we can help out the creator of the universe. We're not trusting him. And so when we try to be disciples by our own strength, what we're saying with our actions, we'd never say it the way I just said it, right? What we're saying with our actions is that we don't have real faith. We don't have genuine faith. But the good news is. We don't have to live by our own strength. We don't have to do it for ourselves. That's the encouragement because Christ has done it for us. He's taking care of us for us. Look at verses 13 and 14. Paul continues and says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now, if you write in your Bibles, let me encourage you to either underline or or highlight those two verses right there. Because that's the encouragement. The encouragement is that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus took the curse of the law by living a perfect life, by suffering the punishment for our sin in our place at the cross. And he did that so that we can receive the promised spirit. He did that to purchase our freedom from sin. He did that to reconcile us to God. And that reconciliation is available to us today through faith. That's the encouragement. You don't need to do it by your own strength. Jesus has done it for you already. And here at the end of verse 14 is where we find the strength to keep going forward as a disciple of Jesus. Look at the second half of verse 14 again. Because at the end of verse 14, we're being told that Jesus did it. That Jesus suffered the pain and indignity and humiliation of the cross. He suffered the wrath of God for us so that we might receive the promised spirit, through faith. You see, when we place our faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives in us. He fills us and he gives us strength. The Holy Spirit encourages and empowers us to live as disciples of Jesus. Jesus died so that he could send the Spirit into us to live in us. We don't have to do this on our own. It's not our strength that's going to keep us going as disciples of Jesus. It's his. That's what he's saying right here. And so often our downfall as Christians today is that we forget this. We forget that we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us, empowering us, encouraging us, giving us the strength we need. And so we don't rely on him for strength. We rely on ourselves. When we forget that we have the Holy Spirit, we try and do it all ourselves. And when we try to do it ourselves, we fail. We fall flat on our face. But Paul is reminding us here that you don't have to earn your righteousness because Jesus earned it for you. And you don't have to use your own strength to be a disciple that that God has called you to be because you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, empowering you, setting you up, and sending you out to serve him. So if we want to keep this discipleship thing going, if we want to live a life that matters and and make a difference for the kingdom of Jesus, if we want to do that, then we have got to remember every single day, like I sat down here and I reminded myself before I came up here, God's strength, not mine. We need to remember this. God's strength, not ours. We're not gonna do it for ourselves. We need his strength in order to do it. Listen, discipleship is just faith in action. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means we take our faith and we give it feet. We start moving with it. But discipleship is also a lifelong journey. It keeps going. We never fully arrive. We're always going to have room to grow. We're always going to have a little bit further that we need to go, a little bit more like Christ that we can be. So if we want to keep this discipleship thing going, if we want to keep growing as disciples of Jesus, we would be wise to learn from the mistakes of our brothers and sisters in Christ over in Galatia. Because what we're seeing here in Galatians chapter 3 is really just three things that will help us to keep it going. First, we continue from where we began. If we're going to continue on this journey of making disciples, of being disciples of Jesus, we've got to continue with the faith that we began with. We can't fall into that trap of of Jesus plus. That's an easy trap to fall into. Jesus plus I read my Bible every single day and if I miss it, I'm under his condemnation. Jesus plus I've got to be a good person all the time. Jesus plus Fill in the blank. That's not where we began. We can't earn our righteousness. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so we can't fall into that trap. Discipleship begins with Christ, with our faith in Christ, and it's not going to progress beyond Christ or without Christ. So we We continue from where we began. And if we want to keep this discipleship journey going, we're also going to need to prioritize our faith. We've got to train ourselves for godliness by exercising spiritual disciplines. Things like like reading, studying, meditating on God's word. Last few weeks in a row, I've told you there are F260 guides at both entrances to the building. Grab one of those. It's a great place to start. Five chapters a week. Sit down. It'll take you 10 minutes to read a chapter. If you've got time, take another five minutes and maybe write something down. Even if, even if it's on a little sticky note or in the margin of your Bible about what you've just read. And then ask God to speak to you as you're, you're studying. Think about it throughout the day. Meditate on God's word. Spend time in prayer. Don't neglect to gather for fellowship. Fellowship. We in the church have made it our mind that to be the church means we come on Sunday and then we go live our lives the rest of the week. That's not the church. We need one another. I need fellowship with other Christians and so do you. So we're gonna do these spiritual disciplines in order to prioritize our faith, to make it important. We all prioritize things. Is your faith one of them? If you want to keep this journey of discipleship going, you're going to have to prioritize faith. And all along the way, if we're going to keep this discipleship journey going, then we've got to remember God's strength, not ours. You're not strong enough on your own, but Jesus died on the cross in order to, through faith in him, give you his righteousness give you the Holy Spirit who's going to give you the power, the strength you need to live for Jesus. If we try to do this by our own strength, we're going to fail. It's going to wear us out. There's not going to be any joy in it. It's going to be drudgery. We need Him. So, let me challenge you. Let's be the disciples we've been called to be. Let's keep this going. Let's live for Jesus. Let's be disciples who make disciples, who keep it going by trusting in him, relying on him, prioritizing our faith in him so that we can live out the mission that God has given every single one of us to accomplish. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.